being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, saying, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he had fell asleep. Now Saul, consenting to his death, at the time of the great persecution, arose again the church uh, which were at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And the devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made a great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Just think about that story just for one hot second. We got a, a disciple of Christ here. One, more, probably one of the thousands who came to him after Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. Right? And he, this is probably, this is the first recorded martyr in the Bible. First time we know that anyone has ever been killed for their faith in Christ as far as the Bible is concerned. At the time, the church was only centralized in Jerusalem. It hasn't gone out past Jerusalem. Even though Jesus had said, probably months before that, go and make disciples of all nations, they're still sitting there in Jerusalem, right? So, this happens to, to Stephen. Stephen, a devout man of God, preaching the word of the Lord, is stoned to death in front of the entire church. Let's put ourselves in their shoes for a second. I'm up here preaching the word of the Lord, and the government walks into that store and kills me right here in front of all of you. What's your reaction? Good question. question. What is amazing, that same type of scenario happened right here in Jerusalem. Stephen murdered in front of the entire church. And they, they made a, a point to say right here at the end of, uh, of Acts chapter 7 that the uh, um, young man, Main Saul, uh, you know, held their clothes. In chapter 8, it says Saul was consenting of the death. Uh, verse 3 of chapter 8 says Saul, afterwards that Saul made havoc of the church. He entered every house, found people who were Christians, and committed them to prison. Some of them, some of them probably also, during that time, were probably killed for their faith as well. So imagine this guy, uh, a leader of the, the Jewish church in Jerusalem, 
is going door to door, ripping people from their homes, from their families, ripping families apart, killing people, throwing people in prison, all because they worship Jesus. Once again, let's put ourselves in their shoes. What if the government came through here one Saturday morning and went door to door finding out who was Christian, ripping them out of their homes, arresting them, putting them in prison, killing them, tearing families apart just because of their faith? I mean, how do we react to that? We've never been in a situation like that before. But let's look at how the early church here reacted. It says in uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 1, it says that they were scattered. That the, the great persecution arose against the church, and which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And if you, if you remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus, Jesus said, uh, take the gospel to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now that's kind of interesting how they were all staying in Jerusalem, and then once this one little act kind of scatters them into Judea and Samaria. Think about that. So the, the church scatters because a young man named Paul um, is starting to oversee a persecution of the church. But did this stop the church? Did this persecution stop the church? They go, well, if they're going to do that, count me out. They didn't move to Judea to get away from it. They didn't move to Judea because, well, I'm kind of ticked off that that happened, and so I don't want to think about that ever again. They, they scattered throughout the regions. They, they scattered everywhere. And verse 4 of chapter 8, it says, Therefore who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So they didn't just scatter and stay silent. They stay scattered and preached Christ at the same time. This is where it starts getting real interesting. These are unnamed men. We don't know their names. It just says those who were scattered went through preaching. We don't know who they were. We don't know. I'm pretty sure there wasn't, you know, a uh, south, southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Jerusalem at the time preparing preachers. I don't think there was any schooling. I'm pretty sure there's no schooling. I'm about 100% positive. <laughs> there's, there's no schooling going on. No one was prepared except for one thing and one thing only, that the Holy Spirit was in these people's hearts. Jesus called these people to go forth and to preach the word. That was their sole purpose as disciples of God, of Christ, the Christians. Their whole entire purpose, the only one commandment Jesus gave them before he left was go and make disciples. And at first they wasn't doing that. They were making disciples in Jerusalem. They did that very well. Thousands of them, and I'm sure within a very short period of time. But that was it. Jesus said the, 
all the nations. And we talked about this before, it's pontata ethne, all the people groups of the world. So when they, they, they did the part in Jerusalem, the God obviously had a plan. So Stephen was stoned, and the church was scattered, and they um, preached the word as they were scattered. And the word, the, the name Saul appears time and time again through that, that entire story. Cause, so he obviously had a big part in all of this. I just want to just kind of see, just together, just kind of see how God works. If you would turn with me real quick, a couple chapters to the right, Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Hear those Bible pages turning, that sounds great, doesn't it? I just love that. All right, verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word, no one but to the Jews only. Now, remember what we just talked about a few chapters ago, that the, the stoning of Stephen caused a scattering of the church, of, and, and they, they were preaching here in chapter 11, it says that those who were scattered started, uh, they, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, and we can kind of assume that they most likely started those churches, those big churches in those cities there. Verse 20, some, but some of them who were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who when had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And when the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. When the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and he seen the grace of God, he was glad, and encouraged them all with the purpose of the heart, uh, purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Just look at all these people that are coming to the Lord just from the scattering of this church, just as far as Antioch and, and Phoenicia and Cyprus. And he goes, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek, to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, so that, when, so that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught great many people, and disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Did we catch chapter, or verse 25 there? What was, the net, what was the name that was brought up that was common in our last story? Saul. Saul. Barnabas, who was a called missionary from the church of Antioch, went to Tarsus to seek Saul, and he got Saul and brought him back to Antioch. You see this? And they taught people, and at this time, the they, they were first called Christians of Antioch. Now, this is an interesting story, right? Right here. Um, I want to kind of go off on one of these, uh, 
what, what do they call those with uh, uh, trains where um, you got two trains coming this way, so they kind of get off on this track and wait for the next one? Sidetrack? Side track. Side track. Okay, so we're going to go on one of these sidetracks here and, and wait for this train to pass us. Okay. Um, this, this last verse, verse 26. And when they found him, they brought him to Antioch. And so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. This is the first time in the Bible the word Christian has been used. Is in that verse. And what, what I want to kind of get at here is what were these people doing in Antioch that they were called Christians? Well, they were doing the things that Christians were supposed to do. They were witnessing uh, whatever Christ's example was, they were doing what they're supposed to do as Christians. Absolutely. They were making disciples. They were teaching the word. They were preaching the word. And so people from the outside looking in actually called them Christians as a derogatory term. Well, look at those Christians. But being Christians, they go, yeah, we're Christians, we'll take that. You know, Christ is, is in that name. And, and it just kind of comes to, I guess this isn't much of a sidetrack. <laughs> this is kind of going into what I was talking about. Anyway, uh, so Christians, in the, in the biblical sense of term, is actually meant to describe a person who is making disciples, who is preaching the word, who is going out into the world and doing what Christians are supposed to be doing. So if we look at most of the, the middle class, not the middle class, but the, the, the Americanized Christianity today, just take a broad look at the Christian church in America right now. How many of these churches actually deserve the derogatory name Christian. How many people do we see going out and making disciples? How many people do we see that call themselves Christians out in their community, witnessing, visiting the sick, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, I mean, do we see that very often in America? I know we've discussed this before, that Satan is all too comfortable with the church in America. Is the Americanized church that it, what I like to call the, the American spin, or the, the Christian spin on the American dream. Where you can have all you want. Hard work, sacrifice, ingenuity, you can have it all. As long as you're comfortable. I've got my big million dollar house and I know just just in this town alone we have probably millions of dollars worth of cars parked in driveways, parking lots at different churches. But there's, there's children that are dying of malnutrition, 
dying of hunger, dying of preventable diseases. And the church in America is far too concerned with what temperature it is and during worship service. What the color of the walls are. Should I go to Denny's or Cracker Barrel after church service? This, this is our church today. But when we look at the church and Acts and Antioch, well, every fiber of their being was to advance the church, to establish the church. They, they just witnessed a leader of their church murdered in front of their eyes for doing the very thing that they are doing now. And Acts chapter 11. And Acts chapter 7. A leader of their church was murdered in front of them. And what they did is they left and did it some more. Knowing very well that the next guy that could be murdered or in prison is them. I, an illustration of a... Uh, uh, he's the uh, president of the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, Dr. David Platt. And he had a very good illustration before. Um, he said, just imagine that all of us are um, Christian construction workers, okay? And we're, we're working on a building or something out in, over there. And we see a bunch of Ro Roman soldiers come by with an altar paying homage to Caesar, Caesar. And as they come by us, they, they line us all up and they say, one by one, pay homage to Caesar. And the first one says, the Lord is God. Boom, kills him right there. Goes to the second one. Pay homage to Caesar. The Lord Jesus is God. Boom, dead right there. Line by line by line. When they get to you, what are you going to say? This is the type of persecution this church right here is going through. But the wonderful part about it is, it starts at verse 25 in Acts 11. When we just saw Saul, I don't know if he orchestrated the situation. I don't know if he was in charge of it. it the Bible isn't too clear on that. But what I do know is that he was there. He was very supportive of it. And his name was the only one that was brought up out of the situation. The, uh, the others were, it was the crowd or the group or depending on what version you have. And then there was Saul, who was pleased with what they have done. And in Acts chapter 11, verse 25, the church of Antioch goes to find Saul. Like, 
Now, this thing about the Church of Antioch real quick. This part makes me smile. The church, when they saw Stephen murdered, was scattered. And those that were scattered, we saw in verse 19, uh, went as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. They started churches in Phoenicia and in Cyprus and in Antioch. So the ones that were scattered because of the persecution of Saul started churches in, in Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch because of the church persecution from Saul. So then the, the church of, of Antioch becomes established. They call missionaries pretty much, like Barnabas, and they go out and get Saul and bring him to the church of Antioch, which was started because of the persecution of the church, which now he is in that church teaching and making disciples. Only God can come up with something like this. I mean, you can't make this up. Just look how God worked in all of this. And, and let's keep going a couple chapters over. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. And this is when it starts getting really good. All right? Now, uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now in the church that was at Antioch were the certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod and the Tatriarch, and who? Saul. He was called a prophet and a teacher in this verse. Okay? Verse 2. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. And then it goes on with the mission of Paul. Paul and Saul are the same guy. Um, so, and, and it goes, goes on with the, the mission of Paul throughout the rest of the book of Acts about how he ministered to churches, he starts churches, he goes on this huge mission trip through most of Europe, making disciples, going to prison going through all sorts of these hardships for Christ. This is why this story is so beautiful. God brought this man who was murdering Christians. And in that, the Christians that were affected by his murders, the living ones, started a church that one day called that same man to be a missionary out of that church. Wow. If that don't give you chills, I don't know what does. Just wow. And this is the purpose of the church. Am I right? 
The, the purpose of the church isn't to sit and wait for the end to come. I, I hear a lot of, uh, of praise and worship music and, and hymns and people who talk, and, oh, come quickly, Lord, come quickly, as if that is the sole purpose of their Christianity. As in Revelations, it does talk about come quickly, Lord Jesus. That is Scripture. But it's not the main purpose of us. Our, our main purpose ain't to sit here in these pews and to just sit here and wait for Christ to come. Gravity works just fine. These pews will stay here without us in them. I promise. <laughs> but no, our purpose as a church is to keep people out of hell. And we can't do that by sitting here and waiting. Someone else will do it. The purpose of the church is to get a group of believers together, teach them, help them grow, and then send those same Christians back out into the world to start other churches, to find other Christians, to disciple other people. The purpose of the church ain't to grow in numbers in one specific building. It is to grow the church of Christ, as in the body of Christ. And we can't do that by sitting comfortably day after day in our church pews. We can't do that by having the main purpose of the church to what that number says in the little white box back there behind Wayne. We can't, we can't do that by arguing about carpet color. I mean, they, these aren't all situations that are happening specifically to us, but churches all across America are suffering. I just, I heard of a church, um, someone told me about a church just last week in this area that one day split because of the stained glass windows. They were the church was growing, it's, it was in a growing community, and they needed a bigger place to worship. And so they, they thought about expanding the auditorium area. And someone goes, no, my grandpa made those stained glass windows, and I swear to heaven that you ain't going to take them out. And cause a split in the church. Not just once, but a couple different times. By the look of Bob's face, he probably knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but these are the things that we get caught up on. We get caught up on, on me and ours. Uh, there's another church I heard of one time that split because of the pulpit. The pulpit was getting old. They needed a new pulpit. And uh, had a big old argument within the church, and then the church split, and one of them ended up dying, and the other one ended up meeting, uh, 
combining with another congregation. You know? Stuff like that. I mean, and the, the, the reason I bring all these up is because people outside the church see this. They see this. And they go, well, oh, that, that's Christian, man. I, I'm perfectly fine sitting at home watching Mari on TV on Sunday morning. And they see pastors like Joel Osteen, multi-billion dollar income or whatever he gets. There's a, a, a picture I saw on the internet of his house and of his church. And it said if, if preachers' houses are looking like this and, and churches are starting to look like this, it's time to start taxing the church. So what they see, they see Osteen and <coughs> contribute all Christians to be the same way. When true Christianity then suffers, suffocates under all that. I bring all this up because it's, it, it's time for the church to start being the church again. It's time for us to step up and say, the purpose of my faith is Jesus Christ. The purpose of my life is to keep people out of hell. It's time for the church to be seen outside the four walls doing this. <clears throat> Going, making disciples, preaching the word. Spreading churches, growing churches, bringing people into the church to teach them, to make them prophets and teachers. Not so that they can stay in the church, but that they can one day leave this church and maybe start one of their own. That, that's called multiplying. You can't multiply here and here alone. You've got to have more places growing. It's time for us to step up and earn the name Christian. And are we prepared to do that? Are we prepared to step up and earn that name? Are we just going to give it to ourselves? I mean, I can call myself a Harvard graduate. It doesn't make me one. What are we going to do? And what it requires us to do is to completely, 100% submit ourselves to Christ. Completely. And that's where a hymn of invitation comes in. Nancy, uh, 288. If we follow him wherever he goes, we will be 100% completely in tune with him. Otherwise, we go where we want to go, and we just hope Jesus tags along, and that's not the case. So.